Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we have NWT Pro John Hoyer on the show. Now, John, we're, we're a few weeks removed from the NWT Championship that was held on Devil's Lake, but John's been a busy guy ever since then. He had a quick turnaround, been spending some days out, uh, out hunting in Montana, doing some archery elk hunting and antelope hunting and uh, having a great time doing that, but... You know, uh, now that he's on his way back from that, and he's had a chance to really uh, let the let the, the the high of winning the NWT Championship and winning the 2023 NWT Angler of the Year Award, which is uh, deserving of a, a brand new Ranger boat as well. Uh, you know, we're gonna have this conversation. So very very enjoyable to get in touch with John while he's traveling back from Montana. We're going to talk about the tournament and how that all went down a few weeks back on Devil's Lake and just get the whole entire story. And it is such a fun interview. It's fun to, uh, you know, have John on. You can definitely tell that he's still feeling all the great highs, the emotions of it all. And, uh, you know, the stories are absolutely fantastic. He does a great job detailing everything. There's a lot of great information in this. And it definitely uh, definitely is a showcase of... uh, you know, a great season, a great year that John had, but uh, it's also just fun to hear about Devil's Lake and just hear how great it's fishing and and uh, just all the details of the fishing as well. So yeah, tons of great takeaways from this, great stories, great to hear from John Hoyer. Let's get into it. John Hoyer, 2023 Angler of the Year, NWT champion, all of the above. Let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Devil's Lake is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations. And to find out more about what the lake and the community of Devil's Lake has to offer, head to devilslakend.com. That link is in the description. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. Hey, the open water fishing season is far from over. But the reality is, for many of us, it is winding down. Let's take a minute here and appreciate everything that happened. Hopefully, we made enough memories that can last us for another year. And if we're really lucky, we had a few fish fries along the way. Let's finish the season strong and continue to follow the clean, drain, dry protocols in preventing the spread of aquatic nuisance species. For those of you that are setting your sights on the sky, waterfall hunters, You need to thoroughly clean all equipment after each trip. That includes decoys, boats, waders, even washing the dog helps. It all needs to be clean and dry before moving to a new location. By following these guidelines, we can protect our waters for generations to come. For more information or tutorials on these clean, drain, dry protocols, head to North Dakota Game and Fish website. That link is in the description of this podcast. If you want to enjoy all the abundant fishing and hunting opportunities that Northeast South Dakota has to offer, there's no better place to stay than at Roy Lake State Park. Come shoot your limit of ducks or pheasants, then hit the lake and catch you a limit of walleyes all in a day. 
Roy Lake State Park provides both modern cabins and suites with all the comforts of home at a reasonable price. Go to GoOutdoorSouthDakota.com to reserve your fall hunting and fishing destination. I mean, we're we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about the the NWT Championship in Devil's Lake, and even if we tried to do this conversation or, or do this podcast right after the championship, man, you had a quick turnaround, and uh, you've been busy the last couple of weeks, man. Just kind of get me up to speed on that a little bit. Like, get me get me uh, uh, kind of up to speed to where you're at today and what's going on and what it's been like since the tournament before we even talk about it. <laughs> Uh, it's been very surreal, uh, you know, because I joked with my friends about having the opportunity to win two boats in the championship for maybe the first time ever in walleye history or whatever. And then during the entire blur of all that happening, the whole time I'm like, man, I almost like can't wait for this tournament to be over because I have three weeks in Montana elk hunting, which I fell in love with last year. And then when the tournament happened, and the celebration dinner is over and the next morning's there. And I literally hook my boat up and drive to Bismarck, drop it off at my friend Caden Tanner's shop at Aquatraction. And I'm on my way to Montana uh, after a couple rounds of golf with those guys. So, um, yeah, it, I played terribly in golf, but rightfully so. I, my mind was on elk hunting and it was still stuck in what just happened at the National Wally Tour. And obviously there was no room for concentration on golf at that point, but it was laughable and it felt like uh, relaxation for one day there. Oh man. So you were, you were vulnerable there for a minute. Did Caden Tanner, did they finally get a chance to like uh, maybe take advantage of you on the course or how did that go? Well, the afternoon after day three of the tournament, uh, Tanner beat me and Cade actually beat me, which, which should, should Oof, never happen in rough. his current yeah, current state of golf. <laughs> but, you know, that was like me shooting like a 97 or something. And then uh, the next day I had a little self-talk, got into golf mode, and I don't know if we shot – Tanner and I tied, but we both shot maybe 83 at Bully Pulpit. So, you know, that was accept- that, that was good. That was That's good golf for me. Yeah, that got you down the road anyways. Well, that's awesome, man. Let's get into it. We're gonna I wanna cover as much ground as possible. And I wanted to kind of start with this whole storyline with you, John, like ahead of the tournament, leading up to the tournament. Can you think back and just think about the things that you were concentrating on, focusing on, anticipating, like, you know, you're you're sitting not comfortably at all. You're sit but you're sitting uh you know, pretty good angler of the year points going into the championship in Devil's Lake, one of your favorite bodies of water. You've said that before. Like, talk to me about that timeline of like leading up to it, doing the research, the anticipation, and just everything that was going through your head at that time. Um, yeah, I mean, the last time we were there was 2019, and I know how that tournament was won. So, <laughs> You're familiar? You know, nice. Yeah. So like overall, the the number one thing in my head was how excited I was to fish Devil's Lake with forward facing sonar. Um, I'd never done it before. And, you know, I always have these pictures of, you know, what my side scan says, how many fish are in the area and then what the catch rate is. But, you know, the, the Devil's Lake walleyes will there's big walleye shallow year round on devil's lake. But the, the problem is they live in wood. They live in weeds. You know, 
they live in sometimes, you know, really snaggy areas. And then in the same sense, you know, there's this mystery of what about like the really big ones, like the seven, eight, nine, ten pounders. Are they on, are they pelagics on like schools of white bass out in the deepest parts of the basin? You know, what are they going to be doing? So it was really just full anticipation. And a lot of it, you know, didn't have anything to do with, uh, angler of the year or the fact is on devil's lake it was literally like i could not wait to open up what i knew was going to be a present from devil's lake because we all know how many walleyes are in there yeah and when you put a group of anglers together like the top 40 of the national walleye tour something's going to happen something's going to be exposed you know and something will change fishing on devil's lake was my prediction so uh that was a lot of the excitement around it when you're talking about the aoi standings you know I don't, I don't use the word anxiety at all in my life. I'm very fortunate to be able to say that I don't ever think about that. But, you know, Dewey, a seven-point lead on Dewey, my travel partner, wasn't comfortable at all. And right. it was like, however practice goes, inevitably we're going to have all the same information, and I have to finish seven spots higher than Dewey? Uh, this is a tall task. And so, like, that was in my mind. But when we would talk together and joke – it's like, hey, buddy, uh, I won the championship last time we were here at Devil's Lake. You know, like this kind of, in reality, it was like this false confidence for me because I knew it was going to be a straight-out shootout. And then you throw in Dylan Newsbaum, Tom Wynn into that equation. Yeah. And, you know, like I had said two, before the last two tournaments, the guy who was going to win AOI had a top five the last two tournaments. And um, that's truly what I thought needed to happen. Yeah, dude, like, everything that you just said, it's just when I'm watching, you know, when I'm anticipating this tournament, these are the conversations I'm having, you know, with my buddies that we're all watching. It's like, you know, what are, you know, all the names that you just mentioned yourself. It's like, you know, what are these guys going to find? What are these guys going to figure out? Um, you know, or, or, you know, just what are they going to expose? That's the anticipation for me when I'm watching it. Uh, but one thing I'm thinking of is like, okay, John's one, on this stage in this location a few years back we're adding forward sonar to the to the mix like for you personally were you able to go to devil's lake and be objective and start fresh and uh, with your new strategy your skills you've developed the forward sonar were you able to be objective on devil's lake or were you you know, were you thinking about some memories? Did you have some some things in mind that you had to check out first? Or how was that for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm always constantly aware of that situation. And um, I've been fortunate enough to stay present in every tournament and realize that if you look back at all the tournaments that I've done well in, um, and, you know, call it a six-year career now or seven, whatever the number is, it's my first time on that body of water. So I have zero history. So, like, that's always in the forefront of my brain. And the beauty of this one was, you know, now you throw an active target, and inevitably I'm going to be able to go and rule in and rule out stuff I've never done before. So um, I kind of add, like, timestamps to all that stuff where, like, well, obviously I have to go check the areas that I won in September, same time frame. Um, But I want to know what's going on, like, the way to, the way practice started out in 35 to 40 feet of water i think after day one of practice dewey and i probably had oh we each had like a 30 pound bag and 
we, I remember saying to each other, like, walleyes really like 35 feet of water. And it was all, like, white bass related, deep rock, um, you name it. And that was our first day of practice. So then, you know, so now we're already in a whole different mindset. Haven't caught a fish shallow yet, but, wow, there is a lot of turning grade, you know, four, five, six pounders out in, like, 30 to 40 feet of water. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely always forefront of my mind. Do you, like – when you were checking some of your stuff, you know, from the past, do you, do you feel like you, you kind of, you know, some of those patterns were still there, some of those fish were still there, but it just wasn't going to be good enough this time? Or do you feel like Devil's Lake, you know, like every body of water does, do you feel like Devil's was totally different this time? And so finding new fish was just ultimately the deal. Yeah, I mean, Part of it, too, is, like, if you go to a tournament, you can see what was exposed on a television show or in write-ups. And no matter what, there's going to be a percentage of pros that are trying to recreate, you know, how to win the tournament the last time I was here this time of year. Um, So part of that plays into, you know, my strategy because it's like, well, the way you win a tournament is by separating yourself from the field. If everybody was on a 22 pound average, like I was in 2019 doing the same thing, you know, fishing shallow, that's fine. Well, how do you, how do you beat them then? So, you know, it's just, it's a splitting of time for myself where check the known, check the known. How good is it? How good is it? Okay. Expand on that different areas. Is it weeds? Is it trees? Is it rocks? Uh, okay, where are we at now? Come day three, four of practice. And then it's like, all right, so this is about where I'd start the tournament if it started tomorrow. Let's start all over again and go do something completely different. And, you know, that's a lot of the times when those really key patterns evolve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing, too, that I think of, you know, again, as a fan, I'm looking at this like I'm excited for, for the tournament and what you guys are going to, you know, showcase but I got to imagine being the championship, there's got to be some differences. Maybe it's mental, you know, maybe, you know uh, but also it's Devil's Lake. It's a giant body of water, but we're only talking about 40 boats in competition. So, like, what are some of those factors that might be, you know, like you, you've got your process, your tournament strategy, your pre-fishing, building a plan, you know, you're working with your teammates, you're covering water, but like, what is different about the championship? There's got to be some differences that you're considering about the championship. And, you know, I just feel like one of those that might be a little obvious is that it's not, you know, 175 boats that you got to compete against. Yeah. You know, that's a key part, but that's just a relaxing part of it. Um, you know, inevitably, mathematically, your spots aren't going to get beat up as much in practice. People aren't going to find as many of the spots that you maybe found. But um, uh, really, the reality, the number one most important thing in the championship, in my mind, is the simple fact it's a three-day tournament. So, you know, a three-day tournament is a wonderful format. I wish every tournament was a three-day tournament because, you know, the cream is really going to rise to the top where, you know, you can win a two-day tournament driving 50 miles on the Great Lakes and, you know, your fish hold. Maybe you catch most of them day one, but just enough on day two, and you had such a big lead. You know, I've seen that happen. But a three-day tournament, primary focus on a lake like Devil's Lake was you need a lot of spots. You need a lot of areas. And, you know, in the past, 
it was always kind of a juggling act of how much time do I put into this spot now that I know 100% the conditions changed. Um, I've been, I've had the ability to not even fish spots because the conditions changed so much, regardless of how good it was in practice or day one or day two. Um, you know, I did that at the championship on day two in 2019. And then conditions got right day three. Lo and behold, caught two of my kickers in that area. I didn't even make a cast on day two. So, like, that was always an abstract strategy, basically. Yeah. But, you know, primary focus, develop a pattern that you can go anywhere with confidently and have a bunch of spots. Where, But even so confident that you can look over and say, why wouldn't I? Yeah, I caught one fish there, one fish there. But it's all the same for another 200 yards. That's only going to take me 20 minutes. I got to fish that in the tournament. Just this cool, free-flowing, like, system. Um, but now, with forward-facing sonar, you know, you can really expedite that. And lo and behold, right before the tournament, of course, we have ridiculous 60-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, two days before the tournament that night, didn't even practice the last day. Rainy, cold, northwest wind. Everything changes. Well, we saw that coming into the tournament. Knew we needed, like, when I say we, I mean my travel partners, Dusty and Dewey and I. Right, right. Like we, we needed like 30 areas that were leeward sides if it was windy, windward sides. Where are the areas that didn't get touched at all by that big wind? You know, just spots where you could just go in there, look around really quick, and then decide tournament day one how much time you're going to dedicate. So, again, the beauty of forward-facing sonar is now I can put my trolling motor on five, six, seven, and just slow down when I start marking fish or leave the area completely and didn't waste an hour and a half. I, instead, I only used 20 minutes of my day. Take me through some of the fishing. You're kind of, you're, you're giving me a taste test on some of the things that you were going through, but take me through the fishing. even, you know, just tell me the whole story. Day one, day two, day three, you know, going into day one, um, you know, did you, did you kind of have your whole day planned out after pre-fish or were you still kind of, you know, giving yourself some time to, uh, check some new stuff out or like kind of take me through some of the fishing one day, day one, two and three and, and how that all went down for you. Yeah, so, I mean, really that story kind of starts in practice, and it's a really key part when I'll tell you the final day and day two. But, um, you know, after practice was done, it, there was a progression. And when we started going back in fishing shallow, um, you know, we were catching some smaller fish. And then I started rolling in on, you know, some areas that had a lot of things going on. You know, it could have been farm equipment, like spots on Devil's Lake, the classic spots, a flooded farm area that might have been on the tip of a point now with an old tree row, maybe some fieldstone piles, like went into just a couple of those classic spots I'd fished in the wind. And all of a sudden what was starting to be kind of a slow bite because it wasn't windy for like four days of practice. I was just like, you know what? I snapped out of it got on the forward-facing sonar thing and said, let's just go fish some wind. And we went into an area in like two footers and there was fish everywhere in shallow. And I caught a five pounder and a four pounder and a five pounder and another four pounder. They were literally in 20 feet. They were up in six next to weeds. They were by uh, a tree grove. They were on the little rock pile. They're everywhere. So that was kind of that first real breakthrough where it was like, 
aha, they are shallow also. And in reality, I was spending 90% of my time out deep. Um, and it wasn't a fast bite. But so from there, we kind of went forward and I really started expanding. And then at one point, I even got to the point where it's like, you don't even need that much stuff going on. There's a lot of good fish just relating, you know, even just to bays, like just shallow water. So it wasn't everywhere, but there was definitely certain areas of the lake where they weren't, you know, one to three pounders. They were four to six pounders. And that's when we really started chalking up like specific zones that had to be checked come tournament time. So, you know, again, that big weather change happened, going to day one of the tournament, really kind of relaxed, knowing the task at hand, which was throw out all the practice other than the the key patterns that we're doing. And uh, for myself, that was a glide bait. It was the Berkeley power switch. It was the champ swimmer. And it was a jig and a night crawler. That was about it. And it was all just circumstantial where I was. I was also throwing a little like uh, Berkeley power minnow. It was basically, I would throw that if there was too many trees involved, because I didn't want to lose my power switch, which I'd rather be throwing. Um, but if there was one like tucked in, around a tree i'd throw that in there because i had so many of them um you know like on a quarter ounce jig but anyway so day one was going to be a clean slate zero expectations for any spot i caught a walleye but i had like 10 areas i had to try and uh, i made the decision uh when i was boat 41 I wasn't going to go to the spot that I had seen a couple noteworthy guys, Isaac Lackich, Tommy Kimos, and another uh, guy pre-fishing this one spot that was literally, there was literally like 40 fish that were maybe a hundred fish that were like four to five and a half pounders on it. I was going to go there boat one. And when I found out I was actually boat 40, I was like, well, everyone's going to drive wherever they're going to go. I've caught like, a 26 to 28, 30 incher or two every morning I go and fish like main lake, big, deep rock areas. So that's actually how I started day one. Lo and behold, um, Corey Heiser was on one of the spots. I had to roll up next to him and just make sure he wasn't missing the real spot on the spot. Once I realized he knew exactly where that was, I just went to the next point and, uh, my first fish in the morning was a seven pounder. It was the thing absolutely cracked my glide bait and we were in business. So, um, yeah, so I basically fished deep rocks for a couple hours. And it's like, all right, it's time to start making my way to, you know, these areas that I got to check. It's getting a little sunny. Water's warming up, hoping they're still in shallow. So then now getting back into like the mental kind of emotional side of things, when you get through day one, you know, and even even day two, we can kind of blend day two into this. Like, did at any point in time the whole angler of the year? You know, like did did, did you know the fact that you're fishing for two boats? Uh, you know, I mean, there, or there's two boats up for grabs. I should say for some of you guys that are, you know, in that angler of the year race. Um, like at any point in time when the fishing was good, maybe it was right when you cracked that seven pounder in the morning. Did at, at any point in time. Did, uh, you know, were you thinking about that at all? Or did you just keep your nose down the whole time? Yeah, so right away I was forced to make a decision, a tough one. And um, it was my second fish. It was a three and three quarter pounder. So I didn't weigh the first one, but it was like seven or seven and a half pounder. And um, 
you know, our goal in our mind, if we had 25 pounds on day one, you know, we assume that would be like a top 10 type weight. So that was the goal because we we're only allowed to keep seven fish. But, you know, that's elementary math in your head. How do you get to 25 pounds? Five pound average, right? Yep. So I catch that seven pounder, call it a seven pounder in my head. 15 minutes later, it's an hour and a half into the day, big weather change, you know, the day before the tournament. I caught a three and three quarters. I said, you know what? I'm going to keep this one because those two fish together weigh at least 10 and a half pounds. So we're right on track with these two fish. We're on track with our five pound average. Well, the beauty of that was an hour later, two spots later, my coin there sets the hook and says that thing cracked it on a champ swimmer. This is a giant. And I look at it. I see his rod. I'm like, uh, yeah. He reels it up. It's like a 28 or 29 incher that was, I don't know, eight, eight and a half, nine pounds even. So that was our third fish. And, you know, now I'm using my fingers and my thumbs and my toes. And I'm like, okay, we're at like, we're at least 18 pounds, more like 20 pounds for three fish. Yeah. And we got four hours left. So like, I don't know, kind of, you know, some of that gambling time versus 25 pound. All we need is one more four pounder. We're probably there with four fish. And that's when I kept a four and a quarter. So I'm like, I'm already at my 25 pound goal, basically. And I only have four fish. This is great. Um, <laughs> so then I kept my fifth fish. And that was, again, like a three and three quarters or four pounder. Not what I wanted. You know, not what I was set out to catch, but in the time frame, like, boom, there we are. We accomplished the goal. We got three hours left. Uh, then a very interesting thing happened. So I had, like, my last three spots marked out where I was going to get now, like, what I want is, like, a six-pounder, a kicker. And I watched Dustin Mankey drive by. And if you back up, the last day of practice, Dusty went out fishing in, like, crazy wind, rain, cold, whatever. And he caught a 27-incher in, like, the back of this one bay. And he caught it on a bobber and a nightcrawler. And our friend Caden, who was fishing with Dusty all week, caught the fish. They had seen multiple others, but it was right at the end of practice at, like, 2.30, and they had to leave because we had to be off the water at 3. So, like, that spot was in my head, but, you know, I had all these other spots I had to check. And... I saw him driving and he was driving like 45 miles an hour at like, I don't know, 1230 or one o'clock. And I just know Dusty and it's like, maybe he's driving 50. Either way, he wasn't like grasping the steering wheel and just flying to the next spot like Dustin Mickey always drives. And I, I did like a double take and watched him like heading back to the west, basically. And I was like, huh. So it he's really relaxed and even then i was like maybe he went into that bay and like he's done well even right then when i put the boat in gear i was going to my next three spots and then i was like you know what i'll just go in there and check it for like 30 minutes i got time yep we're gonna go in there and check it and i rolled into that bay and i was probably like 300 yards away from where he caught the fish in practice which was like up against the shoreline and uh I turn, I put my trolling motor in and I'm like, turn the thing once. I'm like, whoa, that's a big one. Cast the glide bait, activates, doesn't bite. Cast the power switch of the next one, doesn't bite. 
cast a chicken a crawler, have one nip it on the bottom. So anyways, I activate like eight fish. None of them, like other than that one nip on the night crawler bite. And all of a sudden I'm like, he said it's slip bobber. I threw a slip bobber and never even used one in practice, but because I caught that one fish, I asked my co-angler to grab the rod. I put a night crawler on, full night crawler on a jig. And <laughs> uh, looking a ugly fish. as ever. <laughs> oh yeah, the ugliest thing ever. I probably caught five <laughs> walleyes in my life on that setup. Five total in my life. You know, because we there's no leeches in the entire universe to have. So yep, that's true. It's like flat calm. There was a fish at 20 feet calling at one o'clock for my trolling motor. By the time I rig up the night crawler, set it at like six feet. I turn and I look, and the thing is literally nine feet from the boat sitting there. So my co-angler tells the funny part of the story. He said he heard my bail click open, and the next thing he heard was my drag go out. So what really happened is I see it at nine feet. I'm like, oh, I might as well try this one. Open my bail, reach my arm out, throw it another 18 inches. Bobber stop hits the bobber. I look at the active target. The fish spins around like I hit it right on the head. It spins around, and my bobber goes down. I wait one second, set the hook. And started fighting this big walleye. It ended up being a uh, six-pounder. Jeepers. And we're like, holy cow, that was easy. So I literally turned and lined up, like, the next fish in the next five minutes. Made one cast of the bobber. The bobber goes down. It was like a six-and-a-half-pounder. And we were done. So I drive in. Dusty already weighed in. He's got 31 pounds. I weighed I weigh 30 something and couldn't get back to wait to get back to camp and ask Dusty, like what happened? And, uh, you know, lo and behold, he went in there spot three or four or something, caught a couple, saw some left and basically like could not wait to get back on the water on day two. Hey, the open water fishing season is far from over, but the reality is for many of us, it is winding down. Let's take a minute here and appreciate everything that happened. Hopefully we made enough memories that can last us for another year. And if we're really lucky, we had a few fish fries along the way. Let's finish the season strong and continue to follow the clean, drain, dry protocols in preventing the spread of aquatic nuisance species. For those of you that are setting your sights on the sky, waterfall hunters, you need to thoroughly clean all equipment after each trip. That includes decoys, boats, waders, even washing the dog helps. It all needs to be clean and dry before moving to a new location. By following these guidelines, we can protect our waters for generations to come. For more information or tutorials on these clean, drain, dry protocols, head to North Dakota Game and Fish website. That link is in the description of this podcast. Devil's Lake, North Dakota is one of North Dakota's premier outdoor recreational destinations we talk about the fishing all the time on this show but to find out what the lake and the community has to offer which is way more than we ever talk about on this show you can head to devilslakend.com and get all that we're talking about the lodging and restaurant options and just the lay of the land and everything going on in the community there's all kinds of stuff all summer long going on in and around the community of devil's lake also our favorite the fishing tab it's going to give you real-time fishing reports, directions to fish cleaning stations and boat landings and shore fishing piers, which are awesome, by the way. Also, it's going to give you a list of options for boat rentals or guide services and bait shops. Everything that you need 
to plan your next adventure in Devil's Lake is at devilslakend.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. If you want to enjoy all the abundant fishing and hunting opportunities that Northeast South Dakota has to offer, there's no better place to stay than at Roy Lake State Park. Come shoot your limit of ducks or pheasants, then hit the lake and catch you a limit of walleyes all in a day. Roy Lake State Park provides both modern cabins and suites with all the comforts of home at a reasonable price. Go to GoOutdoorSouthDakota.com to reserve your fall hunting and fishing destination. Because it's, you know, and, and literally like reiterating and, 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 you know, every time I have a, you know, a tournament angler on, especially in NWT, you know, these NWT tournaments, like all the states have different regulations and then the, and then you put tournament regulations on top of it. And, you know, some states have slot limits, right? And like in South Dakota, that's like when you're interpreting weights of fish or, or, you know, like people's strategy of where they go and how they fish, you know, and the Great Lakes is different. And that, you know, in North Dakota, you know, this championship, seven fish, no call, right? The no call is a state, uh, you know, regulation part where, um, but seven fish, right? Like that's, that's huge into the decision-making and you're already describing it, but it's like, man, if your fish hadn't come in the right order that you really got to play some mental gymnastics, I imagine. Yeah, for sure. And that's where, for the first time, you know, what you mentioned, the angler of the year, a ranger boat, all that came into play. Yeah. The nice thing is I knew in second place at AOI, Dwayne, Dewey, you know, we agreed that, like, our goal was 25 pounds. So, like, I knew what my number one competitor was shooting for also. Good luck. You know, good luck to you, too. And if you have the opportunity, yeah. You know, they come in the right order or something. Yeah, we knew we could have 30-plus pound bags from practice. But, you know, we also knew that 25 pounds was kind of that key number after day one. Yeah, dude. And this this is like, you know, I can chime in right here. Just, you know, there's – you you maybe know more accurately than I do. But it's – when you talk about a tournament, like weigh tournaments of five fish – on Devil's Lake, there's maybe a handful over all of time, maybe a handful of 30-pound bags ever. Like, it's not it's not where 30-plus-pound bags, uh, you know, are, are just are just thrown out there. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, 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 this is the, a 30-pound bag. I mean, even after day one, I think just for the casual fans that watched the weigh-in, it was like, whoa like almost like sobering almost like it just sobers you right up and it's like whoa this is gonna be a dog fight like this because now you're talking about some big bags and then what can these guys do for two more days how do you catch 30 pounds on devil's lake in one day ever much less how do you maintain how do you stay consistent because whoever's gonna win this 
it, it's going to, it's going to be monumental. So, you know, that, that's what I was thinking when I was watching it, it just got me excited for this tournament. Even day one was exciting for this tournament, but tell me about your day two. Cause that was like something else. Yeah. So day two, you know, Dusty and I talk and we're like, I'm like, Hey man, I started out, you know, 300 yards. I went a hundred feet and saw 25 big walleyes. And I'm like, you know, just to let you know, it's game on. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to start there. And I'm like, okay, you're going to be done in like two hours tops for 30 pounds. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I'll give him like four hours in there because a, I want to be in there when it warms up and sunny, you know, whatever. There's little scrubby weeds and stuff, but like, it's John, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the, the NWT championship in devil's Lake. And even if we tried to do this conversation or, or do this podcast right after the championship, man, you had a quick turnaround and uh, you've been busy the last couple of weeks, man. Just kind of get me up to speed on that a little bit. Like, get me, get me, uh, uh, kind of up to speed to where you're at today and what's going on and what it's been like since the tournament before we even talk about it. <laughs> uh, it's been very surreal, uh, you know, because I joked with my friends about having the opportunity to win two boats in the championship for maybe the first time ever in walleye history or whatever, and then during the entire blur of all that happening the whole time I'm like, man, I almost like can't wait for this tournament to be over because I have three weeks in Montana elk hunting, which I fell in love with last year. And then when the tournament happened and the celebration dinner is over and the next morning's there and I literally hook my boat up and drive to Bismarck, drop it off at my friend Caden Tanner's shop at Aqua Traction, and I'm on my way to Montana uh, after a couple rounds of golf with those guys. So, um, yeah, it, I played terribly in golf, but rightfully so. I, my mind was on elk hunting, and it was still stuck in what just happened at the National Wally Tour. And obviously, there was no room for concentration on golf at that point, but it was laughable, and it felt like uh, relaxation for one day there. Oh man! So you were you were vulnerable there for a minute. Did Caden Tanner? Did they finally get a chance to like uh, maybe take advantage of you on the course, or how did that go? Well, the afternoon after day three of the tournament, uh, Tanner beat me, and Cade actually beat me, which which should, should Oof, never happen in rough. his current yeah current state of golf. <laughs> but you know that was like me shooting like a ninety-seven or something, and then. Uh, the next day, I had a little self-talk, got into golf mode, and I don't know if we shot. Tanner and I tied, but we both shot maybe 83 at Bully Pulpit. So, you know, that was accept- that, that was good. That was That's good golf for me. Yeah, that got you down the road anyways. Well, that's awesome, man. Let's get into it. We're gonna. I want to cover as much ground as possible, and I wanted to kind of start with this whole storyline with you, John, like ahead of the tournament, leading up to the tournament. Can you think back and just – Think about the things that you were concentrating on, focusing on, anticipating, like, you know, you're you're sitting not comfortably at all. You're sit but you're sitting uh, you know, pretty good angler of the year points going into the championship in Devil's Lake, one of your favorite bodies of water. You've said that before. Like, talk to me about that timeline of like leading up to it, doing the research, the anticipation, and just everything that was going through your head at that time. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the last time we were there was 2019, and I know how that tournament was won. So, <laughs> You're familiar? You know, nice. Yeah. So, like, overall, the, the number one thing in my head was how excited I was to fish Devil's Lake with forward-facing sonar. Um, I'd never done it before. And, you know, I always have these pictures of, you know, what my side scan says how many fish are in the area and then what the catch rate is. But, you know, the, the Devil's Lake walleyes, well, there's big walleyes shallow year-round on Devil's Lake. But the, the problem is they live in wood. They live in weeds. You know, they live in sometimes, you know, really snaggy areas. And then in the same sense, you know, there's this mystery of what about, like, the really big ones, like, the seven, eight, nine, ten pounders. Are they on? Um, are they pelagics on like schools of white bass out in the deepest parts of the basin? You know what are they going to be doing? So it was really just full anticipation, and a lot of it, you know, didn't have anything to do with uh, angler of the year or the factors on Devil's Lake. It was literally like I could not wait to open up what I knew was going to be a present from Devil's Lake because we all know how many walleyes are in there. Yeah. And when you put a group of anglers together, like the top 40 of the national walleye tour, something's going to happen. Something's going to be exposed, you know, and something will change fishing on Devil's Lake was my prediction. So uh, that was a lot of the excitement around it. When you're talking about the AOI standings, you know, I don't, I don't use the word anxiety at all in my life. I'm very fortunate to be able to say that I don't ever think about that, but you know, Dewey, a seven point lead on Dewey, my travel partner, wasn't comfortable at all. And right. it was like, however practice goes, inevitably we're gonna have all the same information and I have to finish seven spots higher than Dewey. Uh, this is a tall task. And so like that was in my mind, but when we would talk together and joke, it's like, Hey buddy, uh, I won the championship last time we were here at Devil's Lake, you know, like this kind of, in reality, it was like this false confidence for me because I knew it was going to be a straight-out shootout. And then you throw in Dylan Nussbaum, Tom Wynn into that equation. Yeah. And, you know, like I had said two, before the last two tournaments, the guy who was going to win AOI had a top five the last two tournaments. And uh, that's truly what I thought needed to happen. Yeah, dude. Like, everything that you just said, it's just – when I'm watching, you know, when I'm anticipating this tournament, these are the conversations I'm having, you know, with my buddies that we're all watching. It's like, you know, what are, you know, all the names that you just mentioned yourself. It's like, you know, what are these guys going to find? What are these guys going to figure out, um, you know, or, or, you know, just what are they going to expose? That's the anticipation for me when I'm watching it. Uh, but one thing I'm thinking of is like, okay, John's one on this stage in this location a few years back we're adding forward sonar to the to the mix like for you personally were you able to go to devil's lake and be objective and start fresh and uh, with your new strategy your skills you've developed the forward sonar were you able to be objective on devil's lake or were you you know were you thinking about some memories did you have some some things in mind that you had to check out first or how was that for you yeah, I mean, I'm always constantly aware of that situation, and um, I've been fortunate enough to stay present in every tournament and realize that if you look back at all the tournaments that I've done well in, um, and, you know, call it a six-year career now or seven, whatever the number is, it's my first time on that body of water. 
So I have zero history. So like that's always in the forefront of my brain. And the beauty of this one was, you know, now you throw an active target and inevitably I'm going to be able to go and rule in and rule out stuff I've never done before. So um, I kind of add like timestamps to all that stuff where like, well, obviously I have to go check the areas that I won in September, same time frame. Um, but I want to know what's going on, like the way, to, the way practice started out in 35 to 40 feet of water. I think after day one of practice, Dewey and I probably had, oh, we each had like a 30 pound bag. And we, I remember saying to each other, like walleyes really like 35 feet of water. And it was all like white bass related, deep rock, um, you name it. And that was our first day of practice. So then, you know, so now we're already in a whole different mindset. Haven't caught a fish shallow yet, but wow, there is a lot of turning grade, you know, four, five, six pounders out in like 30 to 40 feet of water. Um, So yeah, that's definitely always forefront of my mind. Do you like... When you were checking some of your stuff, you know, from the past, do you, do you feel like you, you kind of, you know, some of those patterns were still there, some of those fish were still there, but it just wasn't going to be good enough this time? Or do you feel like Devil's Lake, you know, like every body of water does, do you feel like Devil's was totally different this time? And so finding new fish was just ultimately the deal. Yeah, I mean, Part of it, too, is, like, if you go to a tournament, you can see what was exposed on a television show or in write-ups. And no matter what, there's going to be a percentage of pros that are trying to recreate, you know, how to win the tournament the last time I was here this time of year. Um, so part of that plays into, you know, my strategy because it's like, well, the way you win a tournament is by separating yourself from the field. If everybody was on a 22 pound average, like I was in 2019 doing the same thing, you know, fishing shallow, that's fine. Well, how do you, how do you beat them then? So, you know, it's just, it's a splitting a time for myself where check the known, check the known. How good is it? How good is it? Okay. Expand on that different areas. Is it weeds? Is it trees? Is it rocks? Uh, okay, where are we at now? Come day three, four of practice. And then it's like, all right, so this is about where I'd start the tournament if it started tomorrow. Let's start all over again and go do something completely different. And, you know, that's a lot of the times when those really key patterns evolve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing, too, that I think of, you know, again, as a fan, I'm looking at this like I'm excited for, for the tournament and what you guys are going to, you know, showcase but I got to imagine being the championship, there's got to be some differences. Maybe it's mental, you know, may, you know uh, but also it's Devil's Lake. It's a giant body of water, but we're only talking about 40 boats in competition. So, like, what are some of those factors that might be, you know, like you, you've got your process, your tournament strategy, your pre-fishing, building a plan, you know, you're working with your teammates, you're covering water, but like, what is different about the championship? There's got to be some differences that you're considering about the championship. And, you know, I just feel like one of those that might be a little obvious is that it's not, you know, 175 boats that you got to compete against. Yeah. You know, that's a key part, but that's just a relaxing part of it. Um, you know, inevitably, mathematically, your spots aren't going to get beat up as much in practice. People aren't going to find as many of the spots that you maybe found. 
but um, uh, really the reality, the number one most important thing in the championship in my mind is the simple fact it's a three-day tournament. So, you know, a three-day tournament is a wonderful format. I wish every tournament was a three-day tournament because, you know, the cream is really going to rise to the top where, you know, you can win a two-day tournament driving 50 miles on the Great Lakes and, you know, your fish hold. Maybe you catch most of them day one, but just enough on day two, and you had such a big lead. You know, I've seen that happen. But a three-day tournament, primary focus on a lake like Devil's Lake was you need a lot of spots. You need a lot of areas. And, you know, in the past, it was always kind of a juggling act of how much time do I put into this spot now that I know 100% the conditions changed. Um, I've been... I've had the ability to not even fish spots because the conditions changed so much, regardless of how good it was in practice or day one or day two. Um, you know, I did that at the championship on day two in 2019. And then conditions got right day three, lo and behold, caught two of my kickers in that area. I didn't even make a cast on day two. So like that was always an abstract strategy basically. Yeah. But you know, primary focus, develop a pattern that you can go anywhere with confidently and have a bunch of spots where, but even so confident that you can look over and say, why wouldn't it? I, yeah, I caught one fish there, one fish there, but it's all the same for another 200 yards. That's only going to take me 20 minutes. I got to fish that in the tournament, just this cool free flowing like system. Um, but now with forward facing sonar, you know, you can really expedite that. And lo and behold, right before the tournament, of course, we have ridiculous 60 mile an hour winds, uh, two days before the tournament that night, didn't even practice the last day, rainy, cold, northwest wind, everything changes. Well, we saw that coming into the tournament, knew we needed, like, when I say we, I mean my travel partners, Dusty and Dewey and I. Right, right. Like, we, we needed, like, 30 areas that were leeward sides if it was windy, windward sides. Where were the areas that didn't get touched at all by that big wind? You know, just spots where you could just go in there look around really quick and then decide tournament day one, how much time you're going to dedicate. So again, the beauty of forward facing sonar is now I can put my trolling motor on five, six, seven, and just slow down when I start marking fish or leave the area completely and didn't waste an hour and a half. I, instead, I only use 20 minutes of my day. Take me through some of the fishing. You're kind of you're you're giving me a taste test on some of the things that you were going through. But take me through the fishing. Even you know, just tell me the whole story. Day one, day two, day three. You know, going into day one. Um, you know, did you did you kind of have your whole day planned out after pre-fish, or were you still kind of you know giving yourself some time to uh, check some new stuff out, or like kind of take me through some of the fishing one day day one, two, and three, and and how that all went down for you. Yeah, so, I mean, really that story kind of starts in practice, and it's a really key part when I'll tell you the final day and day two. But, um, you know, after practice was done, it, there was a progression. And when we started going back in fishing shallow, and the first thing Isaac said to me is, oh, man, you're going to make this – you had to make it interesting, didn't you? And I was like, what do you mean? And he opens up his basket, <clears throat> and I'm looking at him, and I'm like – He's got like a bunch of the same size fish and they're all like four or four and a half pounders. And I got like that nice kicker, like that 27 incher in there. And he looks 
he wants to look at my fish and I'm like, I, I got like 23 pounds. He's like, that's, that's like exactly what I have. And then in the next 20 minutes of the way, in, I was literally sitting there like, how did this seriously just happen? And I basically knew I had won. I mean, it wasn't official until I heard his weight at 23 pounds because, you know, I had weighed like four of my fish that day and I knew I had about that. And I was just like, how, why, how did this happen? Are you kidding me? Yeah. But that's fishing, right? Like that, that's where it's like, gosh, it's, it's fishing, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it happens all the time and, it's just like when I went up on stage, I was, I couldn't explain it. I was like bashful about it. And, you know, in the back of my head, I knew like every single little detail of how it happened. Day two was the easiest fishing walleye fishing I've ever done in my life. A jig, a slip bobber and a night crawler. And they would bite it the second they saw it. And they were giants. And, you know, day three was just keeping your head down and luckily made a couple of those decisions. I mean, I could have kept one of those three pounders at the end. It would have had 22 and a half pounds, stayed focused on like those couple big ones, but it wasn't that hard. It was just like, it was just a day of fishing for me and thought it didn't happen. And when it did, it was just like, how do you explain that stuff? How, how do you look at yourself and say, great job when you realize that there was uh 30 other variables that happened in those three days to make it happen. And why am I deserving of that? Oh man. But like, you know, you look at like day three, then you're sitting in first, right? When we already talked about how, you know, you, you know, for the win, you're not comfortable. Cause you know, you know that there's some guys that could reach you if you, if you fall, but like, if you know, put yourself in, in, in the shoes of say you were, fishing to win but you were in third or fourth place like you know you know you you probably wouldn't have kept those three pounders right you would have known you needed you know six pounders but those are all the things i'm talking about though it's that point like i threw back a three and three quarters just one hour before because i caught it right after a four and a half and then one hour later it's like it's just a simple decision it was like 2019 it's like no you need this john you yep. just went through half of the best area. Now you need this. Here's this gift from God. Here's a three and three quarters. You sure you don't want this, John? Okay, yes, I understand. I do want that. Thank you. And then, you know, then a nice one, a five and three quarters. Great. And then to have the presence of, like, number four, three and three quarters, like, I don't want anything to do with that. Why did I even cast at it? I knew how big it was, how small it was. And then it's like, okay, you need that one. All right, I'm keeping it. Yeah. So that is, yeah. I love how you, how do you say that? Because, you know, unless you fished a bunch of tournaments or a bunch of high level tournaments, it's hard to grasp that for a lot of us, but it's the difference is an hour of, you know, you know, an eight hour day of fishing, like a lot changes when you release that fish right after catching a four pounder and you're still in the first, say 25% of your day. An hour later with no bites and all the realizations that have happened, like, like you're fishing, that decision is a wildly different thing, even though it's the exact same fish. It is a really, really fun part of no call because, you know, you're going off of what practice was and you start in the morning and it inevitably happens to everybody. But 
you know, you can be blinded by being overconfident, but, you know, very fortunate. I'm very fortunate to be able to stay in that moment, day one, day two, day three. But then you throw in those other, those kickers and like the decisions become very black or white, but you know, it can easily happen. Like you said, if I was in third or fourth trying to make up, you know, knowing I needed a 35 pound bag and for people to stumble and the conditions were weird, easily could have came in with two fish, three fish for sure. hundred percent. And it's all circumstantial, but like the blessing of like staying in the moment and not panicking because, you know, at 10 a.m. and keeping a little one and not panicking or not all of a sudden getting cocky and, you know, throwing back that next three and three quarter pounder, you know, just to be able to stay present in that moment is uh, a, another blessing. I mean, in reality, but those time frames are the gift from God. Like they're, they're like clear and present decisions and they're a lot easier than they were an hour ago. And obviously it'd be a no brainer in the last 10 minutes of the tournament. If you only had four fish, of course, those are the easy ones, but all the other ones in between are the really cool underlying story of what it took to win a tournament. And a lot of that is just, you know, some of it's just luck in the order you catch it. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work, man, but you know, the angler of the year and the championship. So you hoisted both trophies, totally unbelievable. I'm sure everybody's asking you this question, but I can't, I can't not myself. Like, how do you sum it up? Like, how do you, how do you sum it up at the end, hoisting those trophies, your families, uh, you know, in the crowd, everybody's there. It's just like a humongous deal. Like, how do you sum it up? It was literally overwhelming. And I, I don't know how to describe it any better than I, I was just overcome with like thankfulness but really a question in my head of like, why, why, why is this career happening to me like this? Like seeing all the smiling faces of my family and it was just like brought tears to my eyes to like say they're finally there or they got to be there for the championship again. Like my brother and sister-in-law from last year or Dewey's whole family, but they come to every tournament. But like those moments are obviously going to last forever. And it's just, just dazed and confused, honestly, like, wow that really just happened yeah dude it did it totally did and i'm glad you told me this story dude this is i'm glad you had time for this you know like i believe it's true that this is this is going to be one of those tournaments that really depicts um you know really really uh, uh you know showcases the trajectory of this industry and tournament fishing and and um you know a lot of fishing goes into it outside of forward sonar but it is obviously a special gift you know, that, you know, talking about exposing things or discovering new things. And you come back to Devil's Lake after this many years, the championship, uh, you know, you won the last championship that was here. But like you say, it wasn't, uh, you know, forward sonar was not a deal then. This was a totally new deal. What else? What else do we got to what else do we got to uh, uh, touch on or people to thank or any anything that we could give shout outs, anything like that to wrap this conversation up, John? Yeah, I mean, one really important thing is I was just talking to Craig Storms from Dakota Lithium, and we're already planning our uh, our ice fishing trip to Devil's Lake this year because, you know, remember, I was fishing at 40 feet a lot, and the schools of perch that I saw, and literally the sheer numbers, like, I when I went to Devil's Lake, I knew I was going to get a good population survey, because it's just like they can't hide on the rocks, they can't hide in the mud out deep, 
you know, you really get an idea like how many walleyes are actually in the lake. And lo and behold, like the last couple of years, a lot of lakes have like 10 times as many fish in areas where, you know, maybe I caught 10 walleyes. Like that's what forward facing sonar has shown us. One of the like funniest things is like how big these schools are that you only caught three walleyes out. There was 30 of them. But um, Devil's Lake right now, I couldn't imagine it being any healthier than it is right now. I mean, there is literally, I, I would say hundreds and hundreds of thousands of fish over four pounds in Devil's Lake. And the three, two, and one pounders are like billions and millions and millions of them everywhere you go. So on top of that, the schools of perch that I've seen, the perch fishing I had last year through the ice, um, again, I already have like at least a week booked on Devil's Lake in January ice fishing, but it is the place to be right now. Like unbelievable population of fish. Right on, man. That's it, dude. I appreciate the time, John. I appreciate the stories. I'm glad we were able to tell it here uh, on the podcast, man. And uh, yeah, I just always appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, later.